Well, hey, Grace, it's good to be together again this Sunday. Uh, it's a wonderful to be able to worship God together and open his word together. And if I haven't had the chance to meet you before, my name's Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, last week, we kicked off a new series uh, as we're getting ready for many of our teachers and students to go back to school. Who's, who's in education in here? Throw your hands up if you're part of education. Let's give these people a round of applause. I taught uh, middle school for four years, and my wife taught middle school for eight years, moved to the high school this year, um, but uh, we, we understand you, so we feel you guys are warriors. We appreciate uh, what you do in and every day with students, and students, we're just proud of you and, and, and the ways that you're uh, studying, glorifying God through, through school. So we're just glad for the beginning of a new year, and we're talking about a new series called Momentum. And why are we talking about that? Because there's a lot of things that push against us in life. It's what the Bible calls sin. And even when we come to meet Jesus Christ, it does not mean that the, the highway just opens up for us and there's, there's no blockage on the way. It's more like driving through Houston traffic, okay? There are still problems that we have to navigate. And so we want to talk about how do we stay as God wants us to stay as Christians? How do we fully live here and now with the different things that we're facing in our world as Christians? And so our hope for this series is that it would encourage us to do just that. And so last week, Pastor already talked about why church? Why has God called us to be a church? What's the purpose of it? And today, specifically, we're going to talk about why disciple-making. Why has Jesus instructed us to be people that make disciples? And before I begin, I want to ask us, like always, a question. And the question I want to ask you all is, who has personally helped you follow Jesus? I'm going to give us a little bit of time to think about that this morning, but I want you to think for a second. Think to a name or the names who is someone or some of the important people in your life that have helped you to get to know who God is, that have helped you to see how much God loves you, that have made a difference in your life? I'm not really a betting man. I haven't tried my, my luck in Vegas yet. When I do, we'll, we'll pay the new church off, no problem. But I, I, haven't, I haven't been a betting man. But if I were a betting man, I believe that each of you, including myself, we're here today because somebody has personally made a difference in our understanding of who God is and his love for us and what the Bible says. They've, at some point, somebody, a parent, a grandparent, a friend, a significant other, a sibling, a coworker, somebody's come into our path and helped us to know what this book says and reminded us of God's love for us and encouraged us uh, in what's true and helped us to be wherever we're at today in our walk with God. And I want you to think for a second, how is it they did it? Because I know right now some, a name or a couple names were, were going through your mind. What is it that they did? I want you to think about for a minute. What is it that made a difference? Did they, did they spend time with you? Did they listen? Did they help you through a problem? Did they teach you something about the scriptures? What, what is it about those people that made a difference that have helped you to get to where you're at today in your relationship with Christ? If I could, what I'd love to do this morning, because uh, I love conversations and I know Jesus does too, is I'd love to just hit the pause button on this service and uh, we could get a microphone out. We might be here a while. 
And we just go around and each of us share those stories of those names of individuals that helped us follow Christ. I have to be honest, I wholeheartedly believe it would be a way better service than what I'm about to share with y'all right now. If we could listen to the stories of the people that have touched us with God, I believe that we would leave here today just in awe of God. Because why? Because God cares about you. God cares about your story. God cares about names. And God has sent people into, into each of our paths to help us follow Christ. And it's unbelievable to think back about how he's loved each of us through people. I know for me, I can name names in my life like Steve and Karen and Adrian and Gilbert and Irene and Matt Many mats, actually, and my friend, my friend Shane. I, I could keep going on and, and give a list of people that have helped me to love Jesus because they've either taught me the scriptures or reminded me of the scriptures or they've just spent time listening to me or they've gone out to lunch with me. They've pointed me to what is true in a very personal way. And in its simplest form, that's what disciple making is all about. It's receiving the love of God and passing it on. And so what we're going to try to do today is go back to the scriptures and go through and look at the early church and look at Jesus and see what does he have to say about it and answer the question, what is disciple making? Why are we talking about it? And why is it so important? And as I do that, my hope is, is that Whatever you've received from some of those people in your life that have gotten you to where you're at today with God, that we would all leave with some of that fresh encouragement and that we would feel encouraged and capable to pass that on to others ourselves. And I will undoubtedly say that in, you know, this message is for those of you that have understood God's love. You need to receive it and understand it before you can pass it on. And so if right now you're on the verge where you're here and you're saying, I don't know if I truly believe that God loves me or if I believe in him yet, what you're going to get to hear is the story of God and his purpose for our life. My hope is that you would see how genuine and real it is. And if you've said to yourself, I am a follower of Christ, that you would feel very empowered and encouraged in what God's purpose is for you. So with that being said, I just want to pause and I want to pray again that God would speak to us. Would y'all pray with me for just a moment? Again, Lord Jesus, we thank you for this church. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how you speak to us through it. We thank you for these gatherings. God, it's our prayer that, that your words would be lifted up today and that each of us would be freshly encouraged in your purpose for our lives and what you have to say about disciple making. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Encourage you all to grab a Bible. I encourage you all as we go through several verses this morning to circle, underline, make a mark next to these verses, write them down so that they stay fresh and you can go back to them. Some of these verses are core-like verses to understand the message of the Bible. I'm going to have all the verses on the screen as well and you can follow along. So first verse I want to bring up as we answer this question, what is disciple making, is I want to start with Matthew chapter 22, 36 through 40. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 says, teacher, this man came up to Jesus, he was teaching, and he said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he, Jesus, said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. 
So first and foremost, as you go back through all the Old Testament and you look through the New Testament, as Jesus tries to summarize this whole message for us together of what it means to walk with him, you can summarize these commands into the word of love, to love God. And we know from other scriptures that to love God is to trust him, is to obey him, is to put his word first and foremost and, and, and to follow it. But it's to love God and the same as he's loved us to go and love people. Being a disciple maker is loving God and loving people. Ephesians 5.2, the letter Paul to the early church in Ephesus, uh, this is what he says to them. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. If any of y'all are part of a family, which I know is all of y'all, right? Even if you're single and you're like, living on my own right now, I got the sweet life. Nobody's there to tell me what to do. Um, my wife sometimes, I'm sorry, she's not here, but she's listening at home. Uh, sorry, babe, throw you under the bus this morning. But sometimes she tells me she's not gonna get remarried. And she says, because then nobody can tell me what to do. I can just do what I want. And I'm like, what's going on now? You're not, you're not enjoying this life that we're living? Am I, I mean, what's going on? You want this freedom? She's like, just, I'm not gonna get remarried, okay? I'm like, all right, well, if I die, good to know. I'm, you're free to remarry. But some of y'all are independent right now and you're thinking you got the sweet life. But if you've ever been in family for any period of time, we know that we rub each other the wrong way at times. And to truly love friends, family, church, we need to be like this verse is and we need to be sacrificial and we need to put ourselves into someone else's shoes and see things from their perspective. And we need to love others as God loved us. And so, you know, to love people is to love God. His call for us as disciples is to love people. I wanna ask a question of us this morning, church. I want you to answer this question for yourself. Is it possible for us as a church to love God and not love people? Could we possibly do that? Could we say, I'm over here in my closet just praying for the world, being like Jesus and, and getting holy and not put ourselves out there and risk and love people? pretty sure just going to God's word here, the answer is no, it's impossible. If you think back to the life of Christ, and we could spend all morning talking about story after story as how he loved people as he walked the earth. Uh, God, Jesus himself walking the earth was constantly demonstrating his love for others. Jesus shows up to a wedding, you're all out of alcohol. He says, no problem. I'm going to turn this water into wine. Now, I don't think Jesus' intention was to get everybody wasted, okay, because the Bible has something else to say about that. But he wanted it to be a great celebration. And there was no more wine to celebrate this special moment. And he turned the water into wine. When people were hungry, listening to him teach, he showed up and they took the loaves and they took the fish and they multiplied it and everybody ate and everybody was satisfied. When people were sick, and they had physical ailments. He went up to them and he prayed for them and he touched their body and he healed them and their ailments went away. Jesus had so many stories we read about in the New Testament of his life where he listened to people and asked them questions of what they were going through. He didn't skirt around the issues. He got right to people's hearts. Jesus, when, when his disciples sinned, he took the time to restore them. One of my favorite memories is Peter who denied him three times. And Jesus sat there with him and cooked for him and sat in the campfire. 
and reminded of him how much he loved Peter, even though he had denied him. He took the time to teach God's word. He took the time to pray. He got away often, and he prayed for those he loved. He took the time to preach his word to others. He spent lots of time. And so, you know, at its simplest form, disciple-making is loving God and loving people. It's experiencing that love of God, and we've experienced it pouring it out to others. If you think of like I had a cup this morning, it's putting ourselves before God and remembering who he is and allowing ourselves to be loved by other Christians in the church. And as our cup is just full of Jesus, that it just pours out and we share it with others. I want to continue and I want to read Matthew 28 and what he left his disciples with. He said in Matthew 28, verse 18, and Jesus came to them and said to them, all authority, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We call these verses the great commandment and the great commission, the great mission for every single one of our lives as a Christian. And we can go through here, right? Is to what? It says that all authority is God's. And the point of all of his authority in our life is what? For us to go, for us to go somewhere. And what does he say for us to go and do when we receive this love? To go and to make disciples. And what should we do? What's part of being disciples is what Connor did this morning, that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, that we acknowledge that he's our Savior and we get to baptize one another in this new life of redemption through Christ where sin no longer reigns over us because we understand what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And then we teach others God's holy word. We pass on his holy word. We come to seek to understand it ourselves, and then we pass it on to others, and it's the guide by which we live. Deuteronomy 6 in the Old Testament connects to the New Testament. God's purpose has never changed. He said in Deuteronomy 6 to families, he said, as you go about, as you go through your life, take this word with you and teach it to one another. Talk about it as you walk. Talk about it as you sit down at meals. Let it be your guide for all of your life. And so we're to teach each other God's word. And what does he remind us as we do it? That God is with us always. To quote Stan Lee and the Spider-Man principle this morning, with great power comes what? Great responsibility. God has poured his perfect power. Some of you guys are like, no, you didn't just do that, Pastor. Yes, I did. God has poured his power, his Holy Spirit into our lives and shown us his love for us and his purpose of that love. The only thing that logically and purposely he wants to happen with that love is for us to share it with others and build others up in it. That is our purpose as Christians, to make disciples. In fact, I would argue, and I would love to take this argument on. I'm not an arguer. I'm a, I like to keep the peace. But I would take this argument on. I think outside of the gospel, the greatest lens for which we are supposed to view our lives as Christians, the greatest lens that every other verse in the Bible is meant to be interpreted under is the lens of disciple-making. The greatest thing we understand this whole book by is that we're sinners and that we needed a Savior and God stepped down back into the earth to die for our sins. He lived a perfect life. And we're not stuck in our city anymore because of what Jesus has done. He's risen. He's risen from the dead. And we have new life in him. And then his purpose is that we would see that love. 
we would walk in that love and we would share that love, disciple making. It's the lens why all this makes sense. It's the purpose for our families to make disciples in our families. It's the purpose for this church to make disciples in this church. It's the reason we go to work to glorify him with our talents and the things that we do to serve others, but then to show other people who God is. It's the theme of the entire Bible. So what does it mean to be a disciple? Well, going off of what Jesus said, it's to love God. A disciple maker is someone who loves God with, with all their heart, seeks to love God, to love people and specifically loves people by intentionally looking out for who God's sending us to, to make disciples, specifically pulling people close to our lives to pass this way of life on. And how do we see this happen in scripture? 2 Timothy 2.2. Paul, again, is writing to a young Christian, a young pastor, and he says to him, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What Jesus had passed on to Paul, remember Paul had an encounter with Jesus. What Jesus had passed on to Paul, he taught to Timothy in the presence of many others, he taught them. He showed them a way of life. And he said, teach that to others who will teach others. If you're doing your math this morning, and I don't want to make you work, it's four generations that the faith is getting passed on. Every time it's getting passed on, it's getting passed on with the next generation, the next person in mind. And if you go back all the way to God, we got five generations of four generations of the story of Christ getting passed on. And so another thing I think that's interesting to see in the scriptures is we always filter the scriptures through our understanding, our world that we live in. We have grown up in an era of universities and education and, and sitting down in classrooms. And so oftentimes when we think of teaching, we think of this right now. And I am doing some form of teaching. And being in school, sitting in a classroom is some form of teaching. But in, in the rabbinical life, the life that Jesus lived, the life that Paul lived, the, the strongest form of teaching was he would pull a few people close and they would live life together. It was as they went that they, they ate meals together and they worked together and they were together constantly. It wasn't like this come and go and then, you know, you don't really, like you, he intimately knew the details of his disciples' life. That was the type of teaching and as did they, him. Right? That's why it's funny when I make a joke earlier about my wife. I'm like, it's, it's good to get to know each other's family, but it not, not just like this, but closely. That's the type of teaching he was talking about. And so I want to ask you, church, the biggest lessons that you've learned in your life, were they sitting in a classroom or the lessons that have stuck with your heart and with your mind? Was it somebody that was spending time with you doing things together? or invited you into their home, or took you out to lunch, or called you on the phone. Again, if I was a betting man, I don't think that it's sermons that have changed someone's life. Not that I take away from what we're doing now. I know there's power to it. But what's made the biggest impact in our lives is those that spent time with us. I could share the story of Dan, who was my youth leader here in this church in high school. And he invited a group of us senior uh, guy students over to his house every Friday morning, 6 a.m. What made us want to get up as high schoolers, I don't know, but I think it had something to do with the fact that we thought it was pretty cool that this dude wanted to have us over his house and teach us God's word. And we just got up and went. Uh, driving at 16 or 17, I'm really glad I didn't crash 6 a.m. because I wasn't fully awake, but somehow I made it there and, and to school every day. And I tell you what, it wasn't even just having us over to his house that made a difference in my walk with God. It was the fact that he also would call me up 
and asked me how I was doing and even took me out to lunch. Before I left for college, he took me out to lunch. And, and again, I can remember to this day what he said to me. He said, you know, Tim, I've seen you. And one of the things I want to remind you of is you start off college, know your limits. Still with me to this day because he personally invested in me. A few more scriptures, church. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ, the apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. Again, he was talking about how he had lived among them, had meals together. The way I live with you, imitate me. 1 Corinthians 4.17, for this reason, Paul, again, speaking to the same church in Corinth, for this reason, I've sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Paul knew he had spent so much time with Timothy, but just by sending Timothy to this church to be with them, they would see what it looked like for him to follow Christ. I wanna show a few diagrams to help us picture this church. First one is I want us to think about our church in, in these three kind of boxes and these things are all meant to work together as one. I'm not trying to divide it out, but we have gatherings every Sunday where we come together like this. And we call that our Sunday worship where we hear the word of God and we're encouraged and we get to fellowship on the way out and on the way in and we sing and we, we get to pray together. And this motivates us as one church family. But like Karen said earlier in a minute, she's going to get up and talk about our community groups this fall. And when you read the scriptures, church was never meant to stay here. Now, again, hear this, church. Maybe you're just on the fringe and you're checking this out and you're like, I don't know, pastor. But if you've been here for, I don't, want, I don't know if I should even set a time period, um, a year, six months, I, it doesn't really matter. If you want what God wants for you, he wants us to get close. And the only way that we, the way we're doing that as a church is we have these groups called community groups. And we get together. And so she's going to make an invitation in the end, church, of how we can do that so that we can be in each other's lives and know each other more personally and talk. And I just want to encourage you, say yes, be part of it. Don't be on the outside. Those of you that I'm looking at, that I've seen you in your groups and I've been in groups with you, I know how it transforms our lives. It is awesome. It's part of what we're meant to experience, life together. And then I would say disciple making is taking it one step further. Disciple making is happening right now. And disciple making happens in those groups. But church, there are individuals that each of us within those groups or within our families or within other spheres of our life that God puts on our heart and we need to seek out here within the church and spend time with and pour ourselves into in different seasons where we get super intentional. Jesus said, Mark 1:17, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Every one of us is a disciple maker. Every one of us has people in our lives that God's given us a unique heart for. And together we reach different people. Last thing I want to show you, this is just a diagram I came up with of people in different circles in our life. Our friends, our family, work and school, neighbors, different activities that we participate in, even this church family. I want to ask you church this morning, I want you to think of a name or two names of somebody right now in one of these circles, in your family, in your workplace, in this church that God just has given you a heart for. You're just, 
You care about them. You'd love to know that they're doing okay. You'd love to see them grow in Christ. You'd love to them to experience what you're experiencing. Picture that name or two. Church, I wanna encourage you, not just as your pastor, but as a Christian just following God with you. Think back to those people that invested in you. And I can think back to the people that invested in me. And our hope, my hope for us this fall together is we get in these groups, we get in community groups, but then we don't even just leave it there. That you pick one or two names. If you're a dad, maybe it's your son. Maybe it's someone, a coworker. I don't know who it may be, but somebody in one of these circles. And church, we just pick up the phone and just say, hey, how you doing? Or we invite someone out to lunch. And we regularly meet together. I started meeting with one of our elders recently. I'm just asking each other, how's your life following Christ going? I can think of one of our elders' wives a, a season ago that invited a bunch of other women in the church and, and just started spending time with those ladies. And I see how those ladies are now reaching out to others and starting groups. God, this church, this is God's will for each of us. And I know many of us, last thing I want to say is we don't feel equipped we don't feel we can. We don't feel qualified. I can't show my family how to follow Christ. I can't share God with somebody. Let me just tell you, as someone that's put myself out there awkwardly time and time again, how God just shows up and those are the best stories where you're thinking, I don't know any scriptures and a situation comes up as you put yourself out there and all of a sudden, like the scripture just comes to your mind. You're like, how in the world did I think about that, right? Or I'd love to tell the story of my neighbor who, you know, we did our first Bible study together and he like got his whole office together and he started teaching them. And I'm like, wow, you're like next level pastor, you know. We can do this. Why? Not because I'm here to pump you up, but because of what Matthew 28 said, that God is with us. And so church, simple. Let's join some groups this fall and let's go out here today and let's think about that name or two. And let's consistently pursue those individuals and ask God to show up in those relationships and pass on our faith to others. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for showing us the game plan, showing us your purpose for our lives. God, where would each of us be, not only without you, but without the people that you've sent into our lives? I pray this morning, Lord, he would really show us who to spend time with in the days ahead. And you would use our community groups and you would use these gatherings on Sundays to encourage us, to build us up in our faith, to give us a community to do this together. But then that each one of us will be able to go out and actively just love and teach and build up new believers in Christ and our family in our workplace, in our community. Use us, Lord, as your hands and feet. And everybody at Grace said, amen. Thank you, church.